0: You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Flowering plants evolved around 150 to 250 million years ago and they've become the most successful type of plant on earth for a reason. Most flowers employ the help of animals and insects to help them sexually propagate, which is a huge advantage over methods used by more primitive plants like conifers, ferns and mosses. In this episode, Amanda from Fenegans Farms is back, and this time she's brought her sister and co-founder Claire to help us learn a little bit more about the all-important pollinators that help turn flowers into fruits and seeds. G'day guys!
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Amanda, can you tell us what's changed since last time you came on the show with Fenegans
1: Yeah. So let's see. That was in January? Was it January?
0: Oh, yeah. I think it was January Maybe. from memory. When we recorded yeah. it, I think.
1: Wow. That felt... Doesn't January feel like a lifetime ago? It does. So <laughs> let's see. We really got into the season. So wow. A lot. Wow. A lot has happened, actually. So we do three different styles of support. So we do a lot of building spaces for people to grow food. And then we do a lot of support in terms of building spaces for people to sell that food back to the community. Mm. And then we also do a lot of like farmer support or like brand new grower support. So this season, um, spring is really when we kick off things. And so we, we jumped, <laughs> jumped off. Yeah. Um, we started with a community or a, a large neighborhood garden. Mm-hmm. That was our first build for the season. Um, it was like eight beds and they were like yes. 10 feet long yeah. by like a foot deep. Like they were, they were pretty huge, um, like four feet wide. I believe. It was, it, they were, they were huge. And we did, I think, yeah, we did eight of them. So we started that out. And now that same garden that we supported is actually hosting a neighborhood farmer's market coming up. And so it's really fun to see that go full circle. So yeah, we started the season with that. And then we focused on installing community gardens, backyard gardens, large family gardens throughout the season. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to like, Ever so slightly pull up our notes. I just, our newsletter goes out tomorrow. And so I just typed up all of our stats for spring, just talking about the number of families we were able to support in by giving them free gardens or by stocking their pantries. Some of our other initiatives took off in the way of like our merchandise that we sell. So they all have specific proceeds. And one of them goes specifically into providing food across the city of Detroit. The other one provides free gardens. And then the last one goes to just supporting other Black women who grow things across the city of Detroit. So we've had a lot of people to purchase our T-shirts. So we've got we were able to support a lot of people this year. Yeah. It's just awesome. in the first part of our, our growing season. Uh-huh. I know it's been busy. It's, it's not even July yet. Yeah. Now, <laughs> since it's the <laughs> summer, we've moved out of the space of like building gardens because, you know, just about everyone in this area has their garden set up or it has whatever it is that they're going to grow something in um, set up already. Now we're just in it to, to enjoy the summer. So this summer we spend, or in the summers, we spend our time building bigger spaces. So like greenhouses, year long growing solutions, farmers markets. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're excited in a week or two, we're actually going to go set up another, it's like a compost park. So we'll be posting pictures of that. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So
0: wow, cool! Yeah, that very cool.
1: A lot has changed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it's a similar mission, but you're just expanding on that same initial idea.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's all it all warps into the same thing. So we go from smaller grow spaces all the way up to the bigger spaces and renovations needed yep. to support growing.
0: And it's all about that food sovereignty, as we talked about last time
1: absolutely yeah because at the end of the day when you give a community the space to grow something then you and then you also give them the resources or at least create with them i should say the resources mm-hmm. for them to mm-hmm. thrive and stimulate their own local economy then it's like that's it <laughs> that's yep. the key right <laughs> now you can do you can you have the capital and the the seeds to grow the capital you know so yeah that's what we're it's the same mission. I'm I'm, I'm excited because I, I think a lot of more people are understanding what it is that we do. And we're excited to help. We're yes. excited to support. We're excited to do it with you. Decided to... All of it. To so, do it oh, all. Yeah. yeah.
0: Totally. So Claire, can you please walk us through the process of pollination in flowering plants?
2: Okay. So I'm going to try it and like simplify it a little bit because typically like when we get into things like pollination, People like to use these big terms. No one knows what you're talking about. But basically, pollination is when your plant wants to make more more plants, right? So what is going to happen? I mean, most of the time you're going to have either a self-pollinating plant or plants that will cross pollinate. And we'll get to that in a second. But basically, the male part of the plant is going to come out and hopefully fertilize the female part of the plant. So they can either make some fruit or seeds or whatever, and basically spread themselves further into the wind or the water or the grass or things like that. So that's pollination on like the most basic level.
0: So it's just taking genetic material between two different plants, male and female organs, and creating a new plant, just like how humans, and yeah, animals just do it. like
2: just like everybody else. They're, they're the same, same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I guess flowering plants are kind of cool in that they've attracted the help of insects and other pollinators and stuff like that. Can you explain what is a pollinator and what do they look like? What like Do they come in all different shapes and sizes? Are they just insects? Or
2: I mean, okay, so you've got so many different types of, of pollination. They can be really anything, I want to say. You're going to find pollinators as insects, as mammals, as birds, even reptiles can be different types of pollinators. So really your pollinator is going to be any plant that is like carrying pollen around, carrying that genetic material around either on the same plant or throughout many different types of plants or plant so that they can be pollinated basically.
0: Totally. And that's going to give us our fruits.
2: Yeah. Fruits. I mean, flowers, all types of things. Everything is going to need Pollination. So even, you know, just your even your dandelions need to be pollinated so that they can spread as well.
0: <laughs> True. I love a good dandelion. I've actually planted dandelions in a in Have a grow really? bag at the moment, so I'm growing them as a veggie.
1: <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. No, they're great. I love I mean dandelion root is great.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I paid for some um dandelion seeds and I just got some from the wild and I've got the grow bag split in two. So I'm gonna see which ones I prefer, the wild ones from seed or yeah, the seeds I bought. I never thought I'd buy dandelion seeds, but
2: right. <laughs> I know. I was going to say we could have just shipped you some. We have, no,
0: yeah. Of... get <laughs> the front door and see him. <laughs> It's just an experiment. I'm excited to see like the Taraxacum officinalis is the one that I bought, so that's the official dandelion. And then because dandelions oh. come in all different shapes and sizes, it's all one genus, Taraxacum. Right. So I'm excited to see like the random weird ones versus the the uh, supposedly official one.
2: Well, <laughs> speaking from experience, I tried to, you, you know, take up and propagate some and they all died. I think they died within a day. Yeah, huh. it took a while to find. Oh, it was those- so sad.
1: <laughs> Us a while to find them too because around here, as soon as they pop up, people just spray them with spray everything. So I was like, okay, which ones can I steal from my neighbors (laughs) who didn't get their lawn service yet? (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, we saved like what 10 and then and they all,
2: oh, uh, so so, okay, when you're dandelions come up you know please let us know so we you can send some this way take that off the
1: record yeah if you're in detroit just
2: (laughs) at
0: (laughs) fennigan's farms on twitter just let them know
2: (laughs) please (laughs) you got dandelions no don't put that up there we're gonna get so many requests
1: Um, also the usda i don't want any smoke for
2: Illegal
0: seed
2: distribution. Oh. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> um, Again, <laughs> yeah. not put We're no. <laughs> this <is a> disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs>
0: so I guess these pollinators—they're going to take male and female genetics, put them together in the female part of the flower. That flower is going to grow some kind of a fruit or a seed pod or a dandelion achene. And then, right. I guess we've got <laughs> seeds and fruits. But are all flowering plants pollinated by a separate pollinating animal or insect or something like that? Or are there some nuanced relationships out there between plants and themselves in terms of how they pollinate themselves? Like, um, can you speak on other types of pollination, such as water and wind and stuff like that, other vectors?
2: Yes. So I'm actually super excited about this one. I didn't actually know that water pollination is a thing, but (laughs) duh, we have water plants. So like. Duh. Other plants <laughs> pollinate by that. And it was, I mean, basically they just release all that pollen into the water and it just floats down to another plant. Yeah, Super easy. Don't have to get messy. And then like the <laughs> remaining pollen just kind of like washes down, but that happens kind of yearly. But when pollination, I mean, obviously it's a little bit different because those plants still get some help from your insect pollinator. So they'll still come okay. by And, like, you know, crawl them, get the little bit of pollen that they can find. But most of the time, the wind is just gonna pick up and it's just gonna carry that pollen wherever it may land. So, think about like grasses when you think about wind pollinated plants. Those, Those typically will pollinate that kind of way. Typically, mostly, your wind pollinating flowers don't have any bright colors. They don't really have any odors and they don't have nectar. They're super small. You might not even see a flowering thing. Like, Again, think of your grasses. That's that's what you're going to think of. Those are your wind pollinating plants. And I kind of would have thought that dandelions would have fallen in that list, but maybe, <laughs> guess not. Guess- <laughs> Mostly, I think just because people blow on them. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I mean, you're really blowing the seeds. Well, so like that's animals. Why. Animals, true. Yeah, they're
0: seeds, they wind spread seeds, not the right. Pollen. They
2: true. not the pollen, but <laughs> damn, yeah. when I saw that question, I was like, oh, definitely dandelions. No, 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 no. Had no. yeah. that backwards. Yeah, <laughs> they get, I mean,
1: yeah, dandelions will get pollinated with whatever walks through the grass. Anything. <laughs>
2: yeah. Right. Well, they're they're.
0: Like bright, bright yellow. It's like a big neon sign coming, like saying, come and I've got sugar here. Come and <laughs> Re- suck some sugar right, out of yeah. I me. Mean. i got heat
2: For real. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I guess let's talk about that a little bit. Like how do flowers attract pollinators? So you sort of said like they've got sweet, sticky substances, like um, you've got nectar and pollen and stuff like that, and then you've got the banners as well, like the big attractive petals. So I guess that must be attractive to insects that want that pollen.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, okay, so we look at flowers, we're like, oh my goodness, that they're so pretty. Like, this is what we grow every year. But you have to realize that the flowering part is almost just extra to the plant. Like, they're beautiful to the eye, but it's really just to attract the birds and the bees and the other insects, whatever, you know, mammals might be coming by. That's what the flower is. The flower is like a giant tasty buffet for all of those animals. So they're gonna fill up with sweet nectar that we smell and love and they usually have really bright colors. When I was doing some research on butterflies, they actually have favorite colors. So if you wanna attract a certain type of butterfly, you can like do a little bit of research and look. But specifically here in Michigan, our butterflies like our I wanna say monarch, the orange one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like I think it's a monarch. Yeah, monarch. We have like they act like we have like one type of monarch, butterfly here. Dude, you
1: don't flame those <laughs>
2: You know what? There are over 400 native species, okay? (laughs) But they really love like purple and white plants. That's just, those are their favorite colors. So if you plant big purple blooms or even red or white, they will just come in in droves because they love that color, which I thought was interesting.
0: But maybe they're not so attracted to the yellow dandelion.
2: I mean, they still are. It's just like, it's just a brightness thing like the brighter the color the deeper it is the more that your insects are just going to go wild for it
1: yeah think about your perspective if you were like flying over a patch of something they don't fly super high but like imagine a bee's perspective if they're up flying around your head Mm like that's pretty far down so you're, yeah it's not that they can't see it but like right to them that's like oh a patch of yellow things Ooh, like it kind of smells like you run down there oh Ooh, a patch of purple
2: right
0: and even if they can't smell it yet they can still see it
1: yes they can
2: still see it which is cool
0: that it's is like, cool. Oh, I'm right, right. <laughs> but i mean i'm not complaining i mean i love a good flower
1: <laughs> me too I know, I yeah love flowers
0: so can we speak a little bit about general pollination and specialist pollination? In some <laughs> flowers, we have like a special mm-hmm. connection between one particular flower and one particular pollinator. So like, for example, the, what do you call those birds that hover? They're like a bee bird.
2: Hummingbird.
1: The hummingbird? Hummingbird,
0: yeah. So they've got like okay. this long beak and it like goes in through the flower. Like Ray, most yeah. insects can't get in there and get out properly. Whereas some flowers mm-hmm. have just general, they're open to basically anybody. So. I guess that's an interesting distinction there too.
1: <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, so you mean more like, let me see if I understand what you're saying really quick. You mean more like in the way, in the just like in the shape of yeah, it? So, I like, so. you know, these specific things typically get pollinated by these things because of their yeah. shape and like their, their function? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Well, <laughs> Okay, so
2: generally anything, I call it a nectar well because that's what it is. It's the well that holds the nectar. But anything that's like really deep, like calla lilies, they're going to need an animal with that specialty on it, like a hummingbird. So if you see something that's like really deep, you're going to be finding like a bigger animal typically, or like maybe even a butterfly, something that could actually access the nectar down there because the other insects will be attracted, but they might get trapped or (laughs) or drowned. Good point. While they're in there.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I guess these pollinators and pollinating flowers have evolved together. So over long periods of time, that exactly. relationship has just developed. And they're like, I like you the best. Yep. I want you to pollinate because you can get it further or you can blah, 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 this or that. This is why exactly. I want you to pollinate. To I else.
2: mean, yeah, everything kind of evolves together. It's a world is kind of cool that way.
0: Yeah. Pretty deep when you stop and think about it, but let's not dwell on it too much. <laughs> <going>. No, no. <laughs> so you were speaking before about um, self-pollination and pollinating through different flowers before, Claire?
2: Yes, I was. Oh, my goodness. Dan, thank you for bringing me back to the point because I'm pretty sure I started over here. But basically, okay, so when you think of self-pollination, it's going to be a plant that can be, pollinate itself. <laughs> I mean, like It's kind of in the title. And typically your veggies, like your, your tomatoes, your green peppers, your lettuce, they will all pollinate by themselves. So your tomato plant is going to still make tomatoes, whether or not <laughs> there's a, a bee or somebody to come mm. pollinate it, it will open up its flowers and share freely and create tomatoes. Mm. But not every plant can do that. Even, you know, all fruit bearing plants can't even do that. So when you think about like apples and plums and pears, those have cross pollination. So an apple tree needs another apple tree if they're going to be able to make fruit. So that's why we have whole groves of things like raspberries and pears, because they need each other to be able to spread that pollen and pollinate and make more pears and things like that. So if you just have one tree, it's probably not going to produce delicious, tasty apples all by itself. (laughs)
1: Mm,
0: totally. So planting one apple tree in your backyard's a bit of a fool's errand, unless your neighbor has an apple tree.
2: Okay. Now this is a little bit of a tangent because I did research on apple trees this summer. <laughs> your Your juicy apple isn't like the norm on the apple. So actually they take those like branches and graft them onto trees with that are already making apples so that they can continue to make like big juicy apples that they bring?
1: Okay. What? Mm, no, I don't. I, I, are you sure? I'm pretty sure
2: No, I'm not saying you're wrong.
1: <laughs> no, you looked at me. You looked at me and I was like, no, I'm good. I oh, yeah. This. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I believe from what I've known, yes, like yeah. the original apple is a little crab apple. Exactly. But in order to create yeah. all of these different types of apples, you have to like, do a lot of like yeah. genetic modifications. So like, yeah. if you don't want to eat a GMO, boo, I'm sorry. But your apples
2: are off <laughs> your apples. I know that blew my mind. But you know what? If you don't believe me, go
1: Google it. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, we could we could be wrong, but I feel like we both learned the same thing in two completely I different places. I
2: definitely did because I, had, I was trying to make my avocados grow. Yes. And oh. it was the same situation. Yes.
0: Mm, mm-hmm. That's right. Because we've got genetic material from the mother and the father plant. Uh, mother and the father parts of the flower then when they combine they may not actually make a beautiful child they might make an ugly little um, <laughs> horrible little child who no one wants to right, look at you have to,
1: pick them off. <laughs> you have to just start weeding that out in the it's genetics think about farms that have been around for a very very long time right start farms that may save their own seed there might not like at a very at a certain point you run out of like genetic diversity and you have to start getting new plants, but. Think about like even, you know, 50, 60 years into the game, if they've been doing it, like Mm. what their apples look like. But Mm. now you guys own any orchards and you guys are out there, please contact us. I would like to know. I need more apple knowledge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I know that Sarah Wilson from Roots and All did an excellent episode on heritage apples in the UK because I love their apples over there. So that was a great episode. Our listeners can go and check that one out if you uh, would like to know more about apples.
2: Oh yeah. Absolutely. I love that you just like have that mm-hmm. as general knowledge. I love that.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh well I listened to it's it like... oh, a few months ago now <laughs> when I was hedging. And I can
2: even remember where I
0: was when I listened to it.
1: What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm weird like that. Like I'll I'll turn up to a job and I'll be like, last time I was at this job, I was listening to this. <laughs>
1: oh wow oh, yeah yeah i feel that no that
2: i do not have that type of recall i'm i'm no. really impressed
0: <laughs> <laughs> well it's pretty useless <laughs> i can't put that on my resume
2: you
1: or you resume. could if you put it on your resume i will write you seriously i will write you a i love that put it on your resume yeah i <laughs> yeah, would look I'll for be that like, actually yes i have encountered <laughs> him in a professional <laughs> setting in which this was necessary information He's great at it. I should just fill it with, <laughs> just like
0: bulk it up and just like beef myself up. <laughs> yeah. Make them exhausted at just even looking at the resume. They don't even want to read it because <laughs> it's too long. I
2: don't, <laughs> I mean, if the, if the goal is just to send an interesting resume out, that's great. I I think for hiring purposes, that might not yeah, be it might the back the best. Yeah, might backfire. Even putting
0: my, even putting the podcast on the resume, I was like, do, do employees really care or is it a turn off for them or is it a turn on for them? Like, oh, do, they, do they want okay, someone that, who's totally dedicated to
1: this or? We can't even get into
2: this. You know, okay, yes, we can't go on this tangent because I was a hiring manager for three years. And so I have endless stories and endless comments about this. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna take that a- is a podcast for another
1: time. I <laughs> don't know what you just opened.
0: <laughs> so I guess let's get back on topic then. <laughs> so we've got exotic plants and we've got native plants. Can native pollinators still enjoy exotic weeds and stuff like that, or exotic plants in your garden?
1: Yeah, yeah. Honestly, so what it comes down to is the fact that, like, you're, the pollinators still need just what we talked about. They're they're going to look for something that smells good. They're going to look for something that tastes good. They're going to look for something that is really bright. And so, if you do have a um, an exotic plant in your space. It can be used to pollinate. You just don't want that to be their only source mm. for their only, only source. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is you want to make sure that the exotic plant doesn't become invasive. So mm. that's really what you're looking out for in terms of that. Or, oh, not or, or in addition to that, you also want to make sure that it's something that will flower during the times of the season when you're trying to attract those specific pollinators. Mm. So like, you know, if you, you know, maybe, you know, they can also be useful. Like, let's say it's an exotic plant that blooms later in the season. You might have your native plants that bloom earlier in the season and then now they have a full season mm-hmm. of things mm. to eat. But you don't want it to be like the only thing. But yes, they do. They like it. It's like little snacks. It's like going to uh, to go eat out, you know? It's like sushi. I love noodles. Korean food. <laughs> Yeah, basically oh no. We got no Korean barbecue. That's what this is. (laughs) Oh Oh, my (laughs) god. Yeah, dude.
0: dude. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) I love it. So I guess the same thing must also follow for exotic pollinators, for example, like honeybees, European honeybees in Australia are probably still gonna have a snack on some of our Aussie natives as well.
1: Yeah, and especially to Mm -hmm. like so you really want to make sure that you're 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 helping the native population. But you never know. Like sometimes people will go places to go get bees from across the country. So, or across the, you know, across the globe so that they can have special bees, you know, to host like artisanal teas. And there is no shade on your artisanal honey game. I'm just saying that like with that in mind, you can't like. You have to think if you're bringing in pollinators from a completely different climate. Right. You have to make sure to like you you, you have things around that they would normally eat and things like you should really just mm. work with what you got. But if you do have to right. bring in something extra, make sure it's like from yeah. somewhere that's close by to where you're at so that they right. can still eat eat good while they're around. Yeah. You know? yeah. Plus, you have to also think like, oh, are
2: we talking about honeybees? Yes. You have to remember that that pollen goes into it ends up in the in the honey that they end up making. Mm-hmm. So if you're bringing in, you know, something that's not necessarily native, you could inadvertently make yourself really sick when you eat just like fresh honey from the market because you're introducing foreign pollen into your, <laughs> your own body. <laughs> yeah, and now I mean you you're that's something to, to think about allergies. when exactly when so many people have allergies now and they're just like I've always eaten this honey for my entire life, but yeah, What are your bees eating? (laughs) You know, are you allergic
1: to it? Yeah, Mm. that's a really, if you have really bad allergies, that's a tip I use. When I move to different states, I go start eating honey, local honey, or even better, you can get like local bee pollen.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And if you do that, like I'll take, it takes me about two weeks of just like. Itchy, itchy <laughs> but right. it's better than the itching from that. It comes exactly. from outside. So, like in about two weeks, I'm usually good and have like been able to get my body used to whatever whatever's is in the air. In the air.
0: Wow, that's a really good tip.
1: Yeah, try some honey. Yeah,
0: try some honey. But if you start itching honey, for like, for real, local real local go, like go to
1: the hospital.
2: Yes. yes it has, it to, has be to be local, local or no yes. no i have different ones like i
1: have you're
0: adjusting to someone else's in. climate you're yeah. adjusting to someone else's yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> right. yeah yeah no don't I have... get it off of amazon i go and buy it from like a local hive. like usually they have pollen that they might mm-hmm. sell or like a local like bee vendor per- like i don't know i don't say bee vendor like a honey person you can get like the man i don't want to say them i don't know if they have this where but- you are but like the man with the honey truck, like yeah, like, oh, if I, or the man with the watermelon truck, or whatever. Like when you're getting those kinds of <laughs> that, things, the backstreet honey,
0: we get some <laughs> of them. Yeah, <laughs> we don't get the watermelon so, one. That sounds all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, the watermelon truck. That's a yeah, no. If you see an old, I will just tell you now. If you if you're ever in the United States, right, and you're just you see an old African American farmer. He, and he's got his watermelons. That's gonna be the best watermelon That's you've true. ever had in your life. Really? Telling you your right whole now. life. He just oh knows God, how to it. That man do put it. his heart and soul right, yeah. into growing that watermelon oh, and he's yeah. brought it here to sell <laughs> to you. You better get that thing and go home happy, okay? But yes, no, I just go to like a local local vendor and they'll have it. So like I have I have honey from both coasts now and from where I'm at now. So I keep I keep them and their bee pollens for when I travel, cause like keeps me from eating.
0: Very clever. So are there any yeah. plants that are particularly beneficial for pollinators in your experience?
2: Well, I mean, whatever they eat.
0: <laughs> right. Any flower. Yeah.
2: Really? Well, the the flowers that I mean are non invasive and are native to them, those those types of plants, that's what's going to be the best thing to, you know, give your your pollinators. People have asked me that before. And there's not one single plant that I would plant over any other because you're striving Mm. for balance. You know, at the end of the day, that's what you really want. So you can't just come in and I'm just going to use roses and throw roses everywhere, thinking that you're saving the bees when you might be upending your local, I don't know, ladybug (laughs) community Mm. or something, because maybe they hate roses. It's really just about creating spaces where all of those insects and animals, birds, reptiles, all of them can kind of live in harmony. You know, like they do out in nature. So that's really what the focus should be first, if that makes mm.
0: sense. Mm. So genetic diversity,
2: diversity Absolutely, of food yeah. sources. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we don't all we don't want to eat Cheerios every single day. Yeah. <laughs> <We
0: Yeah>. can- <laughs> I could, but I should. I probably shouldn't. But yeah,
2: I don't know. They're supposed what? to be heart healthy or something. So Are I don't. I, I don't know
1: about that wait wait a minute
2: in america is that not
1: advertised
0: on the saying? box over over there is it oh heart, <laughs> i don't know i don't believe any of that stuff like to be honest like any badge that's on a, it tells you right there it's marketing it's on the front of the thing like it's on the cardboard box. books <laughs> they paid for that and they yeah <laughs> i think oh like i don't goodness. know about that particular one we have our own heart over here and i couldn't speak on any particular one of those things like we've mm. got genetic Sorry, you've got um, organic certified, and you've got all these different certifications. I'm not going to speak on anyone specifically, but I personally <laughs> tend to not really trust them because I just think that's just marketing.
2: Probably, you're probably right. Because I paid for that.
0: They pay. There's an there's an organization yeah. that that's their business is selling that absolutely selling that whatever to companies. So they have an invested interest to keep you in that program and not to not to kick you out. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So we, I guess, we'll never know. It might be different because yeah. the American Heart Association is the one who put their name on our Cheerios box. So so like, but anyway, <laughs> on to urban valuation.
0: <laughs> All right. Why should we care about pollinators, especially in an what? urban environment? Who cares?
2: So we can eat. Yeah, that's the basic thing. If you like, <laughs> if you enjoy eating in any capacity, like you enjoy just putting food do you in like your to- mouth. Do you like to <laughs> in your food yeah? like air does everybody like air is it just me
1: like those that's why you should care and then if you think about it even if you want to narrow it down like why should we care about these things specific in urban environments it's because food and people grow there too Mm. yeah we have to eat we gotta eat (laughs) yeah and we've got
0: chemical pesticides in an urban environment i see this all the time and i'm ashamed to say i'm part of it sometimes just because it's part of my job and as much as i hate it i have to do it this is part of my job but yeah we spray chemical pesticides on plants and so that's going to kill a lot of our pesticides and those uh, a lot of our pollinators and they take it back sometimes the bee will take it back to the hive and Mm -hmm. to the hive hive and it's just it's a really really tough out there for pollinators in an urban environment so any help they can get would be greatly appreciated right (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's, it's sad to say but Another thing is a lot of people say glyphosate kills pollinators. My understanding is glyphosate kills flowers, which reduces pollinators' food source. I don't think from what the research I've done, the literature I've read on the subject, is that glyphosate doesn't actually physically kill insects. It just reduces Mm. their food source, I think.
2: In a roundabout. So what you're saying is it it does definitely kill the bees. It just takes a longer time.
0: Yeah, it's it's more of like... (laughs) Yeah. So, if, but if you've, if you've got plenty of flowering plants around, and you're like, "Look, I hate this one particular, or this <laughs> one particular weed's going to go really bad, so we just need to kill this one." Sometimes I think oh. glyphosate. I don't know. I I say this, but um, I know that there's lawsuits and stuff going on about this subject. I'm just going to put my hand up and say, know. "Hey, I'm not perfect." But the research I've done on the matter, <laughs> and I urge people to do their own research, is that glyphosate's one of the better ones. Ugh. I know that's controversial. I know you guys probably don't want to hear that, but that's just <laughs> where I'm at. Because I love my glyphosate. I couldn't give it up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. No, we just don't really use like we yeah. don't. I, it might be because we just don't have crazy weeds, but that's we'll true. use Stuff like vinegar, vinegar yeah. <laughs> I Do know you one that kills the roots. But, yeah, mm, well, no. it kills it enough to where at least I can pull it out if I need. Yeah, to. right. That's
2: fair. Yeah. we I don't know. We're really picky about what. We're trying to kill. If that means yeah. we really
1: try to kill yeah. anything.
2: I would much rather I know people hate weeding, but I would much rather just pull it up mm. than to introduce anything into my personal environment. But maybe that's yeah.
0: just
2: fair enough. Am you I being know, bougie? Am I know, bougie? We are just
1: very like I don't want to kill anything. I um, don't. Oh man, don't like my heart hurts. So maybe yeah, maybe me, I am bougie. It genuinely does make me. We're not bougie. We're it's sad. It does. We are the
2: for real. We're the people who don't. Okay, I can't speak for Amanda, but like I will not kill a spider, even if it's in the house. I will not. I will encourage him to go out. That's yeah. that's it. Or like I'll leave well, a light too. on for if a moth sneaks into my house. So I get so crazy about. <laughs> it. Yeah, no, we're
1: just. That's just it. But I do, I, I, there, I think there's a space for it. We also work with a lot of farmers that don't use mm-hmm. a lot of it too. So mm. I think that might play into it as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, totally. Well, that's just my controversial opinion for the day. I hope I've treated the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> no, no. I,
1: I know I'm, that's triggered. not a
0: popular one.
2: <laughs> well, you know, everyone's not going to agree, but. Yeah,
0: just have the discussion.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
0: So let's say in an urban environment, I mean, it sounds obvious to just plant as many flowers as possible. Is that the best way to help pollinators, I guess? Just planting, I mean, that's what I try and do. I try and let the weeds flourish in the grass, for example. Like the dandelions in the grass, they're great. They're beautiful.
2: I mean, yeah, it's really just about, okay, so when you think about urban space, you're like inside of a city, right? So there's not, you might not even have like a little patch to grow, anything outside you have to maybe do it like on your balcony or something like that so yeah a nice little flowering plant would be great but any opportunity that you can invest really into like a community farm or spaces where you can just let wildflowers grow like that's really what you want to throw your attention into and support i mean the environments that you do have and then whatever little space you 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 have like your balcony or whatever yeah it would be nice just put out a little flower or something, because we don't mm-hmm. think about it. But the further and further, just using bees as an example, but the further and further they have to go for food, the more likely they won't <laughs> actually make it back. So even the long drive <laughs> for them could tire them out. and They might not even make it back with what precious mm-hmm. pollen they did find. So it's it's little things like that. Like there's, so many ways that we can introduce plants, you know, back into sidewalks, even just mm. those kinds of areas. So it's really getting creative with the space that you have and thinking how you can use, you know, even your backyard, even right. your balcony as an alternative way to boost your environment,
1: really. Yeah, You the goal is to increase your green space. And then mm. as you're increasing your green space, right, that still includes your, your flowers and your you know the things that would attract your pollinators. Yeah.
2: Cool. No, it's always really cool. Side tangent. Did exactly. Daniel, do you have TikTok? Do you know what TikTok is?
0: I do know what TikTok is. I'm not that old yet. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I started I one, but I've I've got as far as watching and I made some videos, I just haven't put them up. I d- I just wow. there's so many things to do to be honest. I'm just like, oh, I should do that. I should do that too. I should probably work more wow. into. Well, do You guys do TikTok?
1: Okay, so um, farisa tiktok (laughs) do i I watch tiktok (laughs) i do our finnegan's tiktok as the season calls for it which means no (laughs) right but okay i'm on a tangent there is this
2: guy i can't remember his his name i'm sorry you guys you just have to look it up but i followed him all winter long and he took seeds like wildflower seeds and put them in like a pepper shaker and then he went Every day on his bike, Mm -hmm. he would like shake them in any empty space that he saw. And so now it being like almost summer, all of these beautiful wildflowers have come up just around posts and in the cracks and like in any patch that he went by. So he's got, I mean, that's an amazing way to do it. Yeah, He just literally went through the city and planted like all these little gardens everywhere just on his Mm -hmm. ride in and out of work every single day. And I thought it was awesome. Like he did a great job.
0: That's really cool, especially if they're native wildflowers. I just warn our listeners that you can get in a lot of um, trouble if you do that in like a native <laughs> in a national park or something. Yes, but, yeah.
2: Right. Don't, yes, do don't no. we yeah, no, don't cross international borders to do that. Right? <laughs> you know your local <laughs> neighborhood. Especially okay. not in Australia. Jeez. Oh no. Please don't do that. I guess when we're talking about
0: pollinators, some people might think like all insects are pollinators.
2: Is that the case? yes and no if that makes sense so no i mean like like wasps wasps are not
0: (laughs) pollinators right most of what i think some wasps might be but most of them aren't exactly i'm not sure about that okay
2: (laughs) but that doesn't mean that if they brush up against a flower they can't still pollinate Mm. so i even found out that like mosquitoes pollinate plants and we wouldn't think of them as being (laughs) animals that would do that either so kind of yes and no if that makes sense
0: so not all of them are created to
2: be them but they can Uh, yeah
0: the accidental pollinators
2: (laughs) kind of yes i'm gonna call them accidental pollinators
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and is there anything else that people don't really know about pollination? Like, what do people not think about when it comes to that that important part of a flowering plant's life?
2: Honestly, I don't think people understand really how important it is. I don't think we understand just how much we as humans just disrupt the entire process of nature, if that makes sense. I know that's like, that's super big, but everything we do affects everything else, especially when we're talking about nature, anything that we plant outside or do outside, it affects our environment. So even things as, you know, maybe getting your backyard really, really nice for the summer and you've got your hammock out here and your garden over here, but you've not taken into account like what's actually living in your backyard. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, does that make sense? And then you're wondering why you've got invasive species or maybe all your ladybugs are overgrown or maybe there's bees and they keep getting into your backyard and they keep you know, bothering you guys, but you didn't think about maybe where everything was. So it's just really taking into account what lives here in my backyard with me (laughs) Mm. and what will I be doing in the space where I live? Will I, is this just for relaxing and what, you know, animals are out here that I want to keep? Do I want to support the bees back here? Do I want to get rid of mosquitoes? So it's all of, we don't think about any of that. We think of everything as being Hours, you know, almost like we own the planet, but we don't realize that we're sharing it with so many other organisms and animals here. So, like, you just have to be mindful of what
1: we're doing outside.
0: Mm, totally. Is there anything else you want the listeners to know about, guys?
1: Yeah, actually. uh Well, we're just in the summer season now, so get connected with us. I'm sure our info is in the bio to see what we can can support you with doing. We have a lot of virtual events, so it doesn't really matter where you are in the world; you can definitely attend.
0: What, what else are you guys up to? Like what's one really special thing that you guys are doing soon?
2: Oh well, we have lots of projects coming up over the summer. I think Amanda just kind of <laughs> touched on that a little bit in the beginning. But our big thing for the summer is we're really focusing our attention on our land fund. So we are committing and we're finally going to be putting up our, our first like Finn Farms property. So right now we're raising some money for that. You can find that on our GoFundMe and also on our page and just really anywhere. It's everywhere. You cannot miss it. But, so that is, that's really what we're going to be focusing on for the
1: summer. Awesome.
0: Thanks for coming on the show, guys. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. having us.
1: Thanks for so, thanks. This was great.
0: You might remember Amanda Brezel from episode 25, Small Scale Farming where she gave us some pro tips and explained how communities in Detroit are buying up abandoned buildings and doing really cool things with them. If you haven't listened to that one yet, do yourself a favour and check it out now. There are plenty of other episodes you might like too, such as increasing crop nutrition, intro to plant biology and identifying plant families using flowers. Um, was there anything else you wanted to answer? Oh, okay. was, I can ask you any of the other
1: questions.
2: Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. I, you know, I go overboard when I'm, I'm getting yeah. prepared about stuff. So I right. literally have like five pages of notes sitting wow. here.
1: Like,
2: <laughs> just Dude. like, don't forget this thing about this thing. But yeah. yeah, I think this was super awesome. Thanks for having us on here. I hopefully wasn't too excited. I was very excited. To just excited enough. Time, so, <laughs> okay. Good. I know. I was really just trying to be like, okay, Clarissa, be cool. Be cool. Like, this was really, really awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome.
0: Thank you. I knew that it was going to be yeah. awesome because last time I chatted with Amanda, it was awesome too.
2: I know. So like anytime, I'm always super excited to come on here. And now from all these questions, I have a lot of snail related knowledge. So that's great. And I'm okay. Snail related <laughs>
0: knowledge. What? How do snails fit into it? Are they pollinators too? Are they? Oh
2: my goodness. Yes, I learned that. I was like, right. oh, actually, yes. Even though we look at them as, as being pests and things. Yeah, they actually pollinate. And there's a special name for it, the pollination method that slugs and snails do. And I'm not going to say it because I will butcher it here. But yeah, they come out at night and on rainy days. Like that's who pollinates the plants when the bees are stuck inside on rainy days, which I thought was really cool.
0: That is crazy. Yeah,
2: But they do also eat your plants. So, you know.
0: Yeah, they do. <laughs>
2: there's a give and a take. So. Yeah.
0: Especially some of them, like um, yeah, we've yeah. got claviers we have here, Clavia's and they're just getting pelted.
2: Really? Anyway, yeah.
0: that's the story for another episode.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we have a we have a slug problem here. Actually, it's pretty bad, and really? um, we just had yeah, it's been raining for a couple of days, so they're. Eating furiously through my kale right now because they are just out, out, out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you know? one thing I heard. Um, we have these really sharp leaves in Australia. They're called bunya pines. They are just really sharp leaves. And if you put them okay. around the plants you want to save, the slugs can't climb over them because they're too sharp. So, like, that's a good physical barrier. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever considered that. Just something sharp on the ground.
2: We haven't. So our okay. So our raised garden is like okay. I'm trying to describe this. So we have a a a gentle slope in the backyard so the raised wow. garden is like built on these legs and then into the side of the hill if that makes mm-hmm. sense so you like walk up next to it because you're on the hill At that i hope i'm giving like the correct visual mm-hmm. but yeah so i didn't think they could climb up the legs but i mean the legs are just like giant pieces of wood so i guess they they can so maybe we'll yeah. put a barrier around the legs a little bit to keep them sure.
1: <laughs> from yeah
2: going up there
1: yeah
0: just don't it's cut yourself cool. or walk with bare feet or anything.
1: i guess so <laughs> yeah <laughs>